Hey everyone, welcome to Craft Studios, the podcast where we pick three beers from a single brewery to pair with three acts of a movie we selected. We'll talk about the movie, the beers, and even some about movie snack pairings. I am your host, Jordan Daly. With me as always, my favorite co-host, Don, the answer to a fucking trivial pursuit question, Boon Vasudi. Don, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. We've uh, we've been off a little bit here uh, last couple of weeks, we're... Uh don't worry, guys. Don't worry, all four of you. We're back on. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know. We lost half of our uh, listenership. Just, uh, you know, I got stuck traveling a little bit for work and for life, and uh, we just couldn't get beer in each other's hands. So we finally got together. We finally picked out some beer, and here we are back to talk about some movies. Don, what movie is it today? Today we're going to talk about 2014's Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, directed by Alejandro Inerutu, uh, starring Michael Keaton, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Norton, and also, this was also written by Alejandro Inerutu. This is the 2015, 2014, 2014, 2014 yeah. uh, Oscar Best Picture of the Year. This is our first uh, Oscar winner, and uh, we're right. going to get real pretentious today, because that's, that's what we're all about. <laughs> we're going to... This is what we do best, Don. Is uh, get get real deep into like movies, and uh, you know what people have seen this because it had it did win the 2014 uh, Oscar uh, for best picture, uh, won four Oscars. Um, we were just talking about this before, but Keaton got robbed. Oh my god, it was so mad. We're so mad. So mad. Beaten by Eddie Redmayne, uh, Theory of Everything. That is right for the Theory of Everything. I didn't see that movie. I know you did. Um, you know, I Keaton got robbed. <laughs> we came this close to having back to back Keaton and McConaughey Oscars. Right. What was the year after? That was uh, Dallas, Buyers Dallas Buyers Club. Club. That's right. That's when uh, when he had AIDS in that movie. Um, yes, that's right. Uh, 2014 was a big Oscar year. Uh, we, a lot of content in this. Uh, by the way, we're going to keep an eye on our clocks uh, because we. This is one of my. This is probably my favorite movie. Every time I um, somebody asks me what my favorite movie is, and I freeze up and I can't think of anything, I need to just put it in my head. My favorite movie is Birdman, and I I think this is my favorite best picture winner. Yeah, that I would that, that I definitely probably uh, for sure probably my favorite uh, Oscar winner, but. Maybe my favorite uh, overall. I've seen this uh, quite a few times. It's never on TV. Um, it's weird. Uh, it's a rough we. Re- it's a rough rewatch. It, it, it's, it's long. It's gorgeous, but it's a hard rewatch. It's not something that you kind of pick up. Well, I mean, I guess you can pick up in the middle, but it's something that you really deserves you watching from the first start of the movie all the way up to the end. Um, and it's something that you know you want to pay attention to but we got lots of content we got lots of stuff uh, about birdman uh we also talk about and we beer. got three beers yeah we also got uh three beers what's today's uh brewery uh today's brewery is sloop brewing company grounded in the craft and tradition of brewing open to adventure and the pursuit uh, pursuit of new beers new tastes and new experiences uh really excited sloop has uh you know, back when I used to run uh, the beer program at one of our uh, local bars here on Staten Island, I loved Sloop Juice Bomb. Uh, but this Juice was maybe great. about six, seven years ago. 
It was so hard to get. This is in upstate New York. It is not far away. It is not hard to get. You can find it in absolutely every single grocery store now. But six, seven years ago, I couldn't even get their flagship beer. The way beer distribution has changed the game, especially as of recent, is, is amazing. The fact that this beer is in the grocery stores now, tremendous. We talked about this, right? Because we were trying to go over which brewery to go to. We we're trying to match up. We're at the uh, the beer store. We're trying to match up breweries. And then you mentioned Sloop, and I was like, Sloop's a little bit popular, but you're right. It, it you know, a couple of years ago, it was just like a microbrewery up in uh, upstate. I didn't make that up, right? Um, but no. now, right, you can get this at, you know, you can get this in like New Jersey. You can get this in like Florida. You can get this like everywhere now. And um, yeah, it's a great brewery. And uh, Juice Bomb. You yeah, can get that at really good products. every bar. But yeah, sorry. Um, we haven't done this in a little while. We're stepping over each other already. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, it's It's got really great products. Uh, they have a really great line of beer. They're all over the place. They got stouts, pills, lagers, uh, sours. We, you know, we got a couple of nice ones uh, flowing through us right now. And I'm uh, excited to pair it up with Birdman. Yeah, no, it's a a great brewery. Uh, What's our first beer we're going to talk about? Well, we already mentioned it. It's their flagship beer. Uh, Act one, we're just going Juice Bomb, man. Uh, Yeah, so this beer, it's got the low bitterness and late hopping showcases the citrusy, juicy notes of American hops. A blast of tropical aroma is followed by a resiny and balanced flavor. Juice Bomb features all the aspects and nuances of full hop flavor, not just the bitterness. An IPA for real hop lovers. And I'll tell you, man, it true to its name, it is certainly a juicy beer, but overall it's really well-rounded. It's a classic New England IPA. Uh, huge hop profile on this beer. It comes in at all angles. You get a little bit of that bitter- bitterness, but you get that resinous, juicy, citrusy flavor. The beer has absolutely everything. That's what this first act is. It's acting in its truest form, just as this beer is a true New England IPA in every ounce. This one's uh, this one's pretty popular. You can pretty much get this at almost every bar, uh, at least here in Manhattan. Um, it's pretty much like a go-to uh, if you're just kind of you know at a, out and you're just looking for an IPA that's a solid. Um, fed juice bomb quite a few times uh you know you just mentioned that that's their flagship uh one um i i definitely enjoy it a lot it's uh it's not super bitter it's uh it's nice it's hazy right it's i believe it's a it's kind of hazy oh yeah it's a hazy yeah and, and so like i i just always like the hazies that um you get a lot of like different flavors coming out of that but it's definitely a solid go-to um when you're out you know bar doesn't have a lot of ipas usually this is the one that they usually have so uh but yeah no definitely the the movie um so it's a movie about the theater and it's all about acting so that's uh you know it's it's actors playing actors in in a theater so he you're you're right it is just all about um a lot of monologues a lot of great uh, a lot of great acting a lot of great scenes uh you got michael keaton uh, Naomi Watts, uh, Ed Morton. Part of the Keaton comeback, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so this is the this was one. Um, so, so Keaton's had a long, obviously a very long career. And this this movie mirrors a lot of like his own like career and his own um, 
you know, kind of life as well. Uh, you know, Michael Keaton in real life being Batman, the movie's called Birdman. There's a lot of like parallels that what they draw. Um, Batman was like pretty much the first comic book movie that kind of came out that really, it, it took a little it was while. The first successful, yeah, it's the first say. successful one. It took a little while before this Marvel machine came out. Um, I would say Batman was like 1991, like around that, and then I don't know when. So the first one came out in '89, mm-hmm. and the second one came out in '92. Yeah, uh, which is actually funny because they do mention in this that. Uh, uh, and sorry, Riggins. Uh, what's his first name? Riggin Thompson. Well, his last name. Yeah. Riggin. Yeah. So they say that he hasn't been in a Birdman costume since 1992, which was actually a really great parallel. Yeah. No, it definitely parallels to his uh, Batman days. Um, you get a lot of lines in it. You know. You know, we gave, we gave the the keys to the castle. You know, it was the uh, really the opening for comic book movies. It's interesting because just like uh, Batman and. The last one being in 1992. Then they made like a really a bunch of like really bad iterations of uh, Batman. You know, you got like Greenland. A lot of like failure comic book movies. Kind of, you know, not until uh, Iron Man, the original Iron Man, came out yeah. that this monster of uh, comic book movies came out. They even made reference to uh, Robert Downey Jr. in the movie about Iron Man. Um, Oh yeah, they they drop uh, Renner, Fassbender, and who's the other uh, actor they talk um, about in that conversation? They talk about Downey Jr. Yeah, Renner, uh, Fassbender. Um, they, they mentioned Ryan Gosling a couple times. He's not been in Marvel movies, but I think those were the three. Not yet. Not yet. Just wait. yeah. No, soon, soon. But um, yeah, Keaton and it, it mirrors his life because Keaton did the Batman movies. And, you know, there was a little bit of a lull, and then it wasn't until... Yeah, there was... 2014. There was yeah, it was a little... 12 to 14 year, like, gap, where he was just doing bad, bad movies. I mean, White Noise, not a good horror movie. Herbie Fully Loaded with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, the <laughs> movie Game Six, which neither of us know what it, what it is about. Apparently, he was in Cars. Didn't even know that he was just a voice in there. Uh, but he, like, he's he didn't really do much from like Out of Sight, in which he was barely in, but he was fantastic in Out of Sight. Until he gets back and he does the other guys. He does a little bit of a small part, and he does Toy Story Three. And then all of a sudden, you get that run from 2014 to 2017, where he does RoboCop, Need for Speed, which, both mediocre movies, maybe even less than mediocre. Mm -hmm. But then he rips off Birdman, Spotlight, uh, what was the next one? Uh, The Founder. And then he goes and he gets back into Marvel. And he actually does uh, the Vulture, and he's the villain, which completely terrifying yeah. in that movie but that that four-year run with those four movies he just crushes it no he did he did he definitely made that little comeback he, he was real big in like the 80s with uh multiplicity uh clean and sober. that was 90s mr mom was 80s yep, yep. night shift so gung-ho right <laughs> That's right. he said gung-ho so he had a long 80s career and it's funny because they did parallel that that he was he he was a recognizable movie star even before Birdman, but um, you know there's a lot of it's cool. It's a lot of different parallels. Uh, so the movie starts out. Um, 
Riggan Thompson is written, he's writing, directing, and starring in his own adaptation of the Raymond Carver uh, novel or novella, uh, what we talk about when we talk about love. I read Raymond Carver, but I didn't read uh, what we talk about when we talk about love. I read um, Shortcuts in high school. So when I say I read something in high school, that pretty much denotes that I didn't <laughs> read it. I just skimmed through it. In this high wasn't school. even on my mandatory list by then. So I, you got one up on Yeah. Me. Now, Raymond Carver was, you know, he was kind of like the modern, contem- it, it, the class was contemporary literature. And so he was kind of like the modern uh, author, like great author over time. But he was he was a raging alcoholic. And that, that gets mentioned a lot in this movie as well, too, about... Um, you know, he left left a piece of his liver on every page he wrote. Was a was one of the lines from uh, Norton's character. But um, yeah, I, I read a little bit and of this, Raymond Carver in high school as well. And this movie does have a lot of parallels with drinking in general. Both Ed Norton and Keaton are heavy drinkers, uh, and then also uh, Emma Stone playing Sam, uh, who is Riggins' daughter. Uh, she's also out of rehab, and so she's having her own little thing. Uh, so those those three are heavy drinkers in this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely heavy uh, alcohol theme throughout the film. So yeah, so so he's he, you know so so Regan Thompson, he's 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 got this play. Um, he's written and directed it. Uh, he's he's also in it. Uh, they're doing the uh, they're they're getting ready for the first preview. Uh, it's kind of in in Reagan Thompson's head he has that psychic power and then so he he says he drops the light head while they're doing the uh the read on the uh the original actor um before Mike Shiner before Ed Norton replaces him he he says that he made that happen um made cuz and it, it's interesting cuz when you watch that scene this is what I picked up on the second time he looks up at the light you know he's frustrated with uh, his acting and he looks up at the light and then he concentrates really hard, and then it falls like right on top of his head. Um, do you think that was like real at all? Like I, I know, like no. we talked about, you know, as the movie goes on, it, there's a parallel where he talks to himself as as Birdman, and then he does like some of the the psychic powers. But it's, what's interesting in the movie, it always comes back, and it always denotes that it's not uh, real. Yeah. So. You know, but yeah. that that was I, one of the cool things in the opening scene. Yeah, I I think this heavily dives into just uh, mental illness. I do think he uh, might have schizophrenia in this. I think he definitely does. Uh, he definitely and, has like multi personality yeah. or, or just having issues with uh, his own existence or his own you know his own identity, <laughs> as he likes to put it. Um, but yeah, uh, Emmanuel Lubeski Lubeski. Lubezki, yeah, um, man, that dude is a cinematographer. Yeah, if you check out like his IMDb, Manuel Lubezki, he's he's the greatest cinematographer of our time, and so he did uh, three movies in a row: Gravity, Revenant, and Birdman. All have been, uh, I think, they were all nominated for Best Picture, right? I believe the Revenant. Yeah. The Revenant, and then I think two of them, two out of those three movies. I think the, I think two out of the three won. I forget if Revenant or Gravity won. Gravity did not win um, Best Picture, but that was a great film as well. We talked a little bit about that. But The Revenant and yeah. Birdman 
also won Best Picture, and I think he won the. He won all three years for those three. cinematography, right? And so, yeah. Um, but definitely, like, look him up. But this is a little bit of like a deep dive in terms of like us, you know, getting pretentious and watching movies. But he is the greatest cinematographer of our time. That this is his masterpiece. Though. Yeah, that's like a triple crown. This is his masterpiece. That, that's like a triple crown run. Even Gravity is just a tremendous, like cinematography. Oh, it's well. beautifully shot. So they're all great. It, it's funny because like Revenant is probably his least well cinematographed film and, and that won a best picture so that just tells you yeah. <laughs> about those three yeah. movies so but this one the way this is filmed is gorgeous it's stupid the fact that it is filmed as a tracking shot there are only 16 total camera cuts in this movie and even three of them or four of them are done in a fashion where it is a time lapse, so it looks like the camera does not cut on that either. And this is kind of where we did our act breaks on those those transitions from day, day to night or night to day. It's gorgeous. Like the this movie only took two weeks to shoot. It was so well rehearsed, so well acted. Only two weeks to shoot, and it is all because they do it in these ridiculously long tracking shots. It's amazing. I read that, that it only took uh, two weeks or two months or two weeks. It, it was an excessively short amount of time because when I read, like, you know, the, yeah. how long it took to shoot the movie, right? Everything just, you know, from the directing and the cinematography, everything was so well and the acting that they were able to just complete that all. Uh, it gives you the impression that the entire movie is shot in one shot. There's only one cut we were talking about, and that's at the end of the film. Um, but well, there, there's a few cuts at the end of the film when they when he shoots himself in the nose. They kind of cut, and it's like flashes of your life in a sense, mm-hmm. and that's why it's it's done that way, uh, which is also very well thought out. But that's the only time that there's multiple cuts. Everything else is just these long time lapse. Cuts. Yeah, it's just a long time lapse that basically follows every every different actor who's featured in the scene as if it were one long cut. And, and especially the way that they film that within inside the theater, because the, the theater, you can, it gives you that cramped feeling how it's a, it's like a small theater and then the dressing rooms and everything like that navigating through the entire, um, gives you really that, that, that feeling of like, you know, being in the theater and being a part of that, um, you know, the exactly. Backstage. The fact that they're doing a play, and this movie is shot as if it's a play, right? The camera's tracking rather than the scenery changing in the in the background, right? It's always that one view. And so it comes off way more as an actual, like, theater play rather than actually a movie. But it's it's amazing. Truly, just a, just a cinematic, like, achievement, like, that this film is. It's a masterpiece. It's, it's, it's great. It's great. It's obviously just, like, something that, I think about, you know, making it my favorite film. So, but right. So we get to, uh, you know, you get to the, um, you get to the part where like they do doing the rehearsal. Uh, they introduce Mike Schreiner. Uh, that's a great scene too. When they start, uh, practicing the lines and he's like, you know, it was his first oh, day. Oh, they're bouncing off each yeah, other. Yeah. He's like, just feed me a line. Just feed me a line. And it was just amazing. Like, wait, you know, my lines too. He knew. So Mike Schreiner, uh, fictional Shiner. character, but knows like every single line. That was the uh, the girlfriend of um, Naomi Watts. Boyfriend of Boyfriend, Leslie Naomi right, Watts. Of, uh, Naomi Watts' character. He spent the mu- couple of months getting her off book. Um, they throw a lot of theater terms, which is kind of cool in the film. 
Um, but right, he he immediately knows every single line. He knows all his lines. He knows all of uh, Regan Thompson's lines. It's um, you know, and he, he's breaking it down in the beginning, and it's just, and as you're right, everything with like the shooting and then the acting, and just really makes you, you know, really get a feel like with just you know getting into the play, and then you know. But Shiner's a prick. That's right, and it's like it, it's funny, and it's like you know. I don't know how true or not true that is, is that, you know, that, you know, are the great Broadway actors in New York, are they like just extremely arrogant like that, you know, are they, you know, are they like that or, or, or actors just really crazy, you know, it's, it's just really, <laughs> you know, gets back into that. I, I just found it like fascinating, the whole entire, like, you know, New York Broadway theater, how they really got into that. Um, it's just really amazing. So, but, uh, Again, keep an eye on time. Make sure that we don't go uh, four hours on this one. Um, no, I think I think we can cut Act One here. Uh, I think that could be the end of Act. Yeah, one that for us that can here. be it. Um, one one last thing before you get the was the um, the fitting. That was a great scene too with the fitting. And then oh yeah, he takes off his pants, and then he's like he's like, and he doesn't have any underpants on. And then the uh, the fitter turns around and he's like, holy shit. What is happening here? <laughs> Where are your underpants? That was that was one of my favorite parts of the uh, the opening scenes. But um, the uh, the fitter's great. He's he does a great job. In that oh one, yeah, so. but yeah, uh, you know, let's get to uh, let's get to some of the food pairings, and then uh, you know we'll jump into uh, Act Two after that. But uh, what do you got here for food? For uh, juice bomb. Oh, food pairing, chicken wings, chicken wings, my man. I'm tired of buffalo wings, though. We've said buffalo wings way too many times on this. <laughs> Give me some dry rub on this one, Don. Give me some of those old bay dry rub wings for a nice salty spice. I love a dry rub. That's actually, remember, I was telling you how I'm sauceless, completely sauceless, but that I, do, I will do a dry rub every time. Uh, salt, pepper, uh, old bay. Uh, they have the buffalo dry rub too. Uh, I do like that. They so, do. Um, you know, a little lemon pepper, but uh, yeah, you, you know, you get the sauce all over your hands. You know, it's, it's, it's a disaster. You get it. I get it all over my beard. It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I like that food pairing. Um, you know, sometimes you can do uh, the the legs, the chicken legs. Um, you know, grill that up, put the dry rub on it as well. Um, you know, maybe a beer can chicken. It's not really a snack, but. Um, I did make a beer can chicken a couple of weeks ago. It was quite good. That a boy. So, but uh, I like it. I like it. Bird bird food pairing theme right off the bat. So <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're sticking with. Only poultry tonight. So But uh, all, right. all right. And with that, that'll be the end of Act One, and we'll be back right after a short break. And we're back with Act 2, Premiere Nights 2 and 3, and the utter slide into despair. The beer we're going to pair it with is called Cocoa Baked. Brewed with malted oats, milk sugar, and golden toasted coconut, it's the perfect stout to remind you of warmer times. This beer leans a little bit closer to an oatmeal stout rather than the milk stout that the label provided, but still some great notes of coconut on this beer. A little bit dry on the mouthfeel, but definitely a pleasure to drink on the first cold night of fall here in New York City. This is the first dark beer I've had in a bit. 
Taking a break from the summer of IPAs and sours, darkness has fallen on our protagonist, poured straight out of a stout can. Don, what'd you think about the beer? I, I'm just like really excited about stout season coming up here just to, uh, Woo! to do a little tangent here. I, uh, you know, it, it's been a hot summer. Um, you know, it's been a warm, uh, some of the stouts have had put away, you know, I think you gave me a couple stouts. I was like, yeah, you know, it's 90 degrees out. Um, it's nine, it's 9 PM at night and it's 90 degrees outside. Uh, I don't think yeah, I'm going to that's this. rough. Drink. It is. It's tough. It's tough, especially with the sweating and stuff, but, um, don't like the cold, but I do like drinking a stout when it is cold. So, uh, this th- Ooh, I got I got one from Other Half Man. It's called Blank Space. Uh-huh. It's a non-adjunct stout. This thing is gonna be delicious. Oh man, that's gonna it's better than hot cocoa. This uh, the stout, um, you know, especially like the <laughs> like the thirteen percent or like the ten percent. It's just um. Oh yeah. You know, they'll just warm up your soul. This one was pretty good. Um, I I liked it as well. Uh, exactly. Uh, today is like the first cold day in New York. It's like 60 degrees and feels like it's like 20 just because it, I think it was like 90 yesterday or something like that. Maybe like 92. Yeah, it was in the eighties yesterday and now we're sitting here in the fifties the right it now. It was, it was 90 degrees with like about like a 400% humidity and, uh, yeah, no, this, this stout <laughs> really worked out. It, it, it worked out and you know, that today was like the first cold day and that, um, today was like the first day of like stout season for us uh yeah baby here. i'm excited so. but that's that's enough of a uh, beer tangent right there let's get into this movie that that so we open up the, our, our second act that's uh goes out from like the first night and then this is like the day before uh second preview and so mike schreiner's done an interview with the times and uh he's also ordered a tanning bed um tanning bed is the <laughs> A, a sunbed. It's a sunbed, sun right? Because he's because uh, he said his character is a redneck, so he had to um, he had to sun himself. He did a big interview in the Times. Uh, he kind of humiliates uh, Riggin Thompson a little bit. He's he's very self absorbed. Well, he steals Riggin's story about Carver. Yeah, right. We talked about Raymond Carver, and then you know there was. It's very close to like both of them. You can tell that's like pretty much the theme that you know. They, they they really identify with you know like the alcoholism you know like the despair and so right exactly he, he steals this story where he says Raymond Carver um, you know was the reason he got into acting he stole the story from the day before right when he gave him the napkin and that it, it is funny because Schreiner like he kind of shrugs it off too because he's like this was written on a bar napkin Don I gotta I gotta Str- interrupt real quick it's Shiner. Shiner Shiner is it Shiner Shriner I've been calling it's him Shriner Shiner. Shiner. Shiner I call him Ed Norton. But uh, we were just talking. It's like nobody remembers the character names. It really just remembers the actors. Um, yeah, it's Ed Norton. Uh, and probably is just what Ed Norton is like. That's what, that's what I gather, too. You were telling me a little story how you met him before, and he's kind of he's a little bit off takeish, a little bit. He's kind of like he's kind of a snot. You know, he doesn't really want to talk to anybody. Um, difficult yeah. to work with. Uh, you know, and so, you know, right. So they're arguing. Um, you know, after he's read the uh, the article, he's just got to fight it with his girlfriend too. Um, you know about the uh, the article. She's not worried about it. She's great, by the way, Andrea oh, Riseborough. Yeah. She's 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 very good at this. It's probably the fourth role in this movie, but she does like a great job at it. And um, 
But yeah, so they, he goes down, he confronts uh, Mike Shiner. Um, the, he slaps him with the Just newspaper. Confronts him. Yeah. He slaps him with the newspaper with over the and newspaper. over again. Um, you know, they get into a fight. He, uh, he, you know, Regan Thompson gets this long story about his dad was like a drunk. And that, you know, it was kind of, it was very um, Goodwill hunting story-ish. Where, you know, his dad was a drunk. You know, they took him to the woodshed and he starts crying. And he mentions like the sister. Um, you know, then he peeks up at the last and is like, ha, ah, see, I can pretend to. And I thought that was great. They have a little <laughs> act off, um, you know, while yeah. they're doing that. It's also with the classic Keaton face, too. <laughs> like that, that like jerkish smile. I love it. And then he just punches him right in the face. He does the little, uh, the, the goofy, like, you know, his fist up, he punches him in the face. They have an actor fight where they're just kind of slapping. I love that <laughs> because he's telling him what he's doing when he's on the floor. I'm choking you out. I am choking you out. <laughs> the crew's just stand there watching at him. They're like, what are you looking at? <laughs> That's a great scene. Uh, you know, they finish the fight. Uh, they get into um, you know preparations for the second uh, the second showing. We we didn't talk a little bit about um, kind of like before we get like through the rest of the film. We, what I we didn't have time to get in was um, when Regan Thompson does the interviews. He does the interviews um, oh, for the for great the, um, you know for the play, and so it was great. There's three. They had the three extreme different reporters uh, all interviewing. At right. The same you time. had. You had the Hollywood guy, the theater guy, and the foreign press. Yeah, so it was like every extreme. <laughs> so you had the, the super pretentious theater, uh, you know, interview, and you know he's he's quoting like French philosophers and this and that, and then uh, the drama reporter <laughs> well, Barth. <laughs> Barth, who was who was he? Yeah, it's like you know to quote Barth. Who, was he in Birdman? Yeah. <laughs> The quote Barth, and I can't quite remember that. And it's like, wait, wait, hold on. Who's this Barth? Was he in Birdman? Was he Birdman? One, two, or three? And then it's like, Barth was a French philosopher, if you knew anything at all. And then she just, like, disregards that and then just gets right into it. It's like, is it true that you injected baby pig uh, semen into your face? It's like, what? No. Who told you that? What? No, no. So you're denying it. <laughs> so you're denying No, don't don't deny that. Don't write that. Don't, hey. What? Don't. Don't even say anything about don't, that. Don't it's you guys true. start writing that. Don't, don't, don't write that. <laughs> so, it was great. It was great. And then he was getting into it. He's like, you know, and then, you know, the reason that I turned out Birdman 4 and then the 4 and <laughs> reporters are like, Birdman 4? You're doing Birdman 4? It's like, no, no, I'm not doing Birdman. Did he get no, all excited? No. So Every, Just get out. Just <laughs> everybody get out. <laughs> By the way, we didn't get a chance to talk about Zach Galifianakis. Uh, really great job in this film. Um, uh, I was saving my my Galifianakis critique for uh, Act Three because mm-hmm. my favorite Galifianakis scene is the end of this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but he's great in this. He really is. He, he's he really he's really awesome. He's such a good actor. He really is. You just don't get to see him like use those chops all the time. I, uh, I will laugh. I started watching this when Desiree was home. And the first moment he was on camera, she just goes, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, oh. I knew it. I knew she was going to. It's great. You showed me, like, pictures. I was like, oh, Zach, looking good. You dropped son away. <laughs> you know, or it's always like, how do you feel about Zach Galifianakis stealing your look there, Jordan? <laughs> well, the market corrected me. I'd be taking all his parts if I was a better actor. That's great. It's like, oh, my God, you're in this movie, Jordan. <laughs> 
That's awesome. She's like, he looks exactly like you right now with the way his hair's done, his face, everything. The glasses, like everything. <sighs> it's everything. Yeah. And, and every time you hear that, you're like, thank you? With like a question mark. <laughs> so. You know what hurts? When I was skinny, I looked like Bradley Cooper. When I'm fat, I look like Galifianakis. Right. So apparently I'm just fat right now. <laughs> right. When you're skinny, uh, you look like Bradley Cooper. Did the... Uh, the whole uh, Star is Born, you're breaking up for your wife. Was that tough on you? It looked like you gained some weight there, Bradley. Right. And then. Yeah, apparently it was a little hard. I looked like American Sniper Bradley Cooper back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Which also came out this year and was nominated for Best Picture. That's, that's amazing. We, we, we didn't really have enough time to get into like all the different nominees of 2014. But right, it was, it was Whiplash, this movie. Uh, American Sniper. Um, I'm missing a couple, of course, but just a crazy theory year. of everything. I contend as the last year that the Oscar like board or like the the set of movies that the Oscars had. I contend that 2014 is the last year that they actually had good movies. Um, Whiplash was so fucking good. It's amazing that they that was the movie out. that that oh, it was either this or Whiplash for me. No, we talked about, because uh, I think Ed Norton got, um, he didn't win his uh, Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Emma Stone didn't win her Supporting Actress. Um, and I think it was, you know, I can't remember who who won all those different rewards, but. Um, oh, J.K. Simmons won Best Supporting Yeah, see, it's just stacked here. Just oh, yeah, stacked he, and deservedly here. so. Yeah. It was stacked. Oh, my God. So, um, yeah, definitely, like, it was, that was a great year. I, I you know, in terms of like movies, like 2014, I think is like the last good year of movies. But they're coming back. They're coming back. Uh, we just talked about um, cinematographer. He's doing uh, Amsterdam, which looks like it's going to be great. Oh, can't wait so, for that. Um, and that's uh, David O. Russell, correct? Is it? Oh, so there's two. I'm pretty sure that's the new David O. Russell. Oh, uh, yeah, I got. Because I mean, he that man that. loves a Bale movie. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Christian Bale was just in uh, Thor. I didn't even realize that he was in that. He was. Um, I recognize him right away by his teeth uh, in Thor, even though he's wearing all the makeup. But, um, yeah, I, Christian Bale coming back a little bit after uh, Batman. So, But, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, they, they had the fight with the tanning scene, and then uh, Shiner goes up and he talks to Sam a little bit back up on the roof. They have a couple of talks. They have three talks, two. Was it two or three? They have two. two. They have the one, and it, it's it's actually a little bit before the fight scene. Uh, it's actually the end of Act 1, I would say, right before that first day-to-night transition that they do. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really interesting, because Ed Norton, obviously this theater actor, who has lost his sense of self, and so you can't really tell if he's acting with her, or... And he even says it himself, the only time he's, a, he's himself is when he's on stage. See, I can tell. And some of the things... Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the things he says to Emma Stone both times, or Sam both times they're up on the roof, it's almost like writing, right? It's like he's waxing poetic about certain things to her, uh, in- including in the first one where he's like, "I'll take out, I would take out your eyes and I would put them in mine to see the world from your age." Yeah, right? yeah, that was like that was my and, favorite, one of my favorite lines from the film. Yeah. Um, and I, we we talked a little about sword. I, I contended. I thought the only time Mike Shiner was ever honest is when he was up on the roof talking to Sam. That's the only time he was ever vulnerable. Every time he was um, 
ever really like honest and you know he gives like some of the cheesy lines but they were honest and, and i think that's you know because even sam makes fun of like the second one that you know, he's talking about how you're special and everything it's like well thank god you're an actor and not a writer because that was that was oprah but i think that all so, that stuff was honest. i'm gonna put this out mm-hmm. there though i'm gonna put this out there and i'm just thinking of this off the cuff right mm-hmm. he is in this play Somebody who is fighting with uh, Michael Keaton's character, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so, if he's method acting in a sense, he's going to do anything he can to get under Keaton's skin, including hitting on his daughter. Now, granted, they do that in private, but at the end, they do hook up in public, right? They do make out in public, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, I'm wondering if all of this is even an act just to get under Keaton's skin. It's right? possible. Because I could see it, that. It seems like they do they do have sex. And we we could talk about preview night two where uh, he gets the boner when he's on stage. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And it's the first time he's been hard in months. Now apparently he was able to get hard with her, but is that because he's acting with her? Or is it because he's actually truly into her? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's one of those things where it's it tiptoes the lines of, of uh, which way it's going. Uh, you know, and I can see how you could go both ways. I think that when he meets Sam, you know, he's obviously interested and he blurts out, you know, it's awesome. It's like, you have an amazing ass. And then so, you know, they, they get into that and they talk about it. It's like, what, what did you say that? And he kind of just says, I was walking behind you. I saw it and I commented on it. And I, to me, that was like, that's just literally like the, the bone dry, like answered, like honest answers. You know, they they play truth or dare, right? And, and, and Shiner says like, truth is always interesting. And so I think that's kind of like, oh, he's such a, <laughs> I think that like for him, maybe that was what his version of honesty is. And it's, it's you're right. And getting into like acting a little bit, you know, at, you, you, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe these actors like lose who they really are. You know, they they kind of like lose like focus on like what what makes them who they are. And so maybe it's because he just met her and that you know it, it was an act, but like his act was like to be himself. Um, you know, maybe that's uh, in in your terms like right. That's probably him being un- dishonest and where he's not honest in the rest of the film. Um, I, I contend yeah. that the only time he was like ever vulnerable and honest is when he's with Sam, and that any time he was with, uh, you know, Naomi Watts' character, that was like his, that was his role, that was his, that was an yeah, act. that was an act, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and then you know, you know, them breaking up and everything like that, and you know, getting the boner, you know, on stage, really because you know, on stage, that's what, like, that's the only place that he was ever comfortable in, and so. You know that it's. I think that's what like kind of that's where that all spawned from. But um, you know, again, th- this could be a four-hour podcast of just oh, Mike Shiner's oh, uh, relationship with Sam and uh, you know Naomi Naomi Watts' character. What's Naomi Watts' character? His name Leslie. Leslie. Thank you, Leslie. See, um, we get that mixed up. We, we it was good when we did the uh, this is the end because all the actors' names were the actors' real names. Yeah, that just worked. That just worked for us. <laughs> Great. So. But um, yeah, yeah. We we get through that second preview. Obviously, they laugh at the boner scene. Uh, but you know, we obviously then I think we get the 
the only scene in which uh, Emma Stone can really show off any acting talent, because, let's face it, she's not in this a bunch, she doesn't have a ton of lines, not everybody has a ton of lines, I think it's mostly a Keaton vehicle here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we get her and uh, and Keaton facing off, and that's a that's a pretty cool scene when he finds the joint. Yeah, and I, I, she I comes like out that. hot. Yep, yep. And then uh, I think that was like her like her only uh, Emma Stone's like really only like long monologue. Everything else is kind of like complimentary. Um, you know, she had the scene with the toilet paper, drawing like the lines and showing her father like the you know the, the the video we'll we'll get into that a little bit but um that was like her first long um monologue in this film and that, what i took away the first time i saw it I was like oh emma stone's like a really good actress i feel like that's what got her la la land and that's what kind of got her into like you know spider-man and then and all the like the major roles that she was getting she was doing before this uh, it was like super bad easy a uh smaller roles this was um a small role as well, but I think that, that I, I think that monologue really pushed her into. Um, she won the Oscar for La La Land. I think so. Because we prepare for this podcast. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, well, it's different Oscar years. We didn't look that. No, we didn't. Because I didn't like that year. I actually I, I didn't see all of La La Land, but um, you know, not a not a musical movie guy, but. Um, no, but and uh, I tell you, I am not into. Uh, I think t- the that guy's new movie is uh, Babylon. Yeah, I don't, I'm not liking the trailers for that. No, no, I didn't see that trailer. Yeah. But um, yeah, not not. You don't not watch trailers. That. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because I don't watch trailers. Because you just need to watch the movie. It's a different experience when you don't watch the trailer. But um, right. yeah, yeah. Eventually, we get we get to the third preview, which everything's going well. Uh, everybody's super excited about the way the third night is going. Uh, you know, there's no issues, everything's smooth, and then, of course, Keaton sees his daughter making out with Ed Norton. Something he does not want to see. <laughs> Needs to get a smoke right away. So he goes to the cruise. Like, you gotta smoke. Oh, yeah. Goes outside, gets stuck, um, <clears throat> gets his uh, robe stuck into the, th- uh, into the door, it rips off and now he's just in his tidy whities um this is a great scene because you know it really is being jordan being in new york you know just working around that area in midtown you know like in times square and everything like that all those theaters hate times square. oh it's terrible it's terrible but then all these theaters that that are in times square on broadway uh the back of this the, the back of the theaters and this is extremely accurate the back of the theaters are on one street and then the fronts of the theaters are on all the entire like they, they the, the theaters take up the whole block and so the other side yeah. of the theaters you have to go across um, the enti- almost through the entire way of, uh, of Times square just like into the scene so it, it's just amazing because he gets stuck he just breaks down he just has to walk through he probably would have been better off walking through 8th avenue but you know this scene would have taken too long yeah. would have never made the scene right exactly and that's that's right because they were mid-scene he didn't he put the blood rig on and he had to get all the way through so he gets all the way through entire Times square uh you were telling me that um they filmed that in actual Times square oh midnight. that's live yeah live and yeah. all that stuff goes on like all throughout the night with like the lights and everybody walking around and then all the all the crap like in the middle so he has to navigate his all the way through 
it gets through to the front of the theater, pushes past the ushers. They don't recognize him. <laughs> How do you not recognize the, the, him? The ticket taker comes and recognizes like, sir, sir, he gets through, busts through. And it, it, it timed it amazingly that he showed up into the scene. He had to use his finger as a gun. <laughs> And even even the the person who was standing at the door was like, "Sir, you can't go in. The play is is live." <laughs> He's like, "I'm in the play," and then he goes through the front. That that preview, the way they did that last scene, um, maybe the end of the movie. I was like, "That's probably the best like way they did that scene." But they did that scene like three different ways. They did it the real way, him coming through the front, and then you know, like the eventual last scene that we'll get to, but. Yeah, because they didn't make it to that that ending scene the first time, right? Because Ed Norton was hammered on stage for night one, right, 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 and right. started complaining about him replacing Jin. Yeah, that's right, replacing Jin, and that you know he needed the right tools uh, to properly be in the uh, the play. But um, I contend actually that second that that preview that version of the um, of the end scene. I don't know. It was like the best one, but it was definitely, it was like a cool one. They even mentioned that, you know, it was weird, but it was cool. And I think that everybody liked that version of the end of like walking through like the audience and then uh, doing the scene that way in his tidy whiteies <laughs> just after going through Times Square. He did all the lines and everything like right, like perfect, even after like having to like endure <laughs> going through Times Square oh, naked. Yeah. So. He, he even yelled, knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, Regan Thompson showing his acting chops in that last, uh, yeah, last preview. So, but um, uh, yeah, that takes us up goes to the he, end. Um, yeah, uh, he he just goes and he gets himself a. Uh, oh no, that is not the end because the the next part we didn't really discuss it, mm-hmm. but it is brutal. The next scene, and that is when he starts to talk to the New York Times critic, mm-hmm. and because oh, like. Right. That is such a hard-to-watch scene because that woman is a horrible person. She is literally destroying his life just because he's a Hollywood actor. She's like, I, I don't have to see it. I'm going to destroy your play. And that's a, that's a, that's definitely like some of the little like quips that like we talk about a little bit with like the comic book movies and the movies versus like real acting and like the theater, and that she's kind of like the antithesis of like that whole like you know like where like the true acting and the, even like when he he converses with himself you know as Birdman his 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 alter ego you know it's like nobody wants to listen to this talking and this depressing stuff everybody just wants like explosions it's really like the 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 fight of like you know like the big screen movie versus like the uh like the acting you know like the live acting uh up yeah. on stage and right the, keaton does an amazing job in that he's he's a great it's funny because like you know she's like tearing him down as like a hollywood and like not a real actor that scene itself is like one of the it's just like a great piece of acting from keaton itself how you know, oh, he points yeah. out it's like you don't you talk about it like any any kind of like techniques or like methods or like you know bearing your soul or you know dealing with like your emotions and things like that. He, just, just, I, I thought he just did such a great job in that in that scene. I didn't think he overdid it. I, I didn't think he underdid it. No. Um, and she's a great actress no, too. Perfect. How she just like you know he's like he, he's doing that Keaton like the crazy Keaton right in her face. Oh, I love crazy Keaton. And she just smirks at it. And it's just like I'm just gonna destroy a place. She wasn't even she doesn't even flinch. That's like that's how 
you know, she's just so unmoved by it. And yeah, that's a yeah. great scene. You're right. That was um, a tremendous scene. And then, um, right, then he starts and, and it's it's definitely, I feel like there is a bit of that in this world. Like, I do feel that a New York Times writer is going to treat, or at least definitely maybe in the early 2000s, maybe not now when, you know, we get people like Chris Evans doing comic book movies and, you know, good, you know, good actors, Robert Downey Jr., right? Right. But back then, you know, if you did a comic book movie, it was more of a joke, right? There was no real big stars in comic book movies. It's funny because we, we talked a little bit about that, that, you know, that's kind of, this is kind of like happening now. It was like, it was kind of like a premonition. So like now, you know, you talk about Chris Evans, you know, he did like Captain America. He did a couple plays here, New York City, uh, pre-pandemic, like 2018, 2019. Um, he did a play with like Michael Sarah. We talked about that uh, yeah. a couple podcasts ago when we talked about um, Scott Program. Take a listen back. Um, you know, uh, Brian Cranston did uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, right, on Broadway. He did that so. uh, a couple yeah. of years ago. Pacino did Death of a Salesman. Yep, yep. Um, Don Cheadle does the, you know, he, he comes in and regularly does, like, Broadway uh, shows, um, plays. Uh, he's been doing it the last couple of years. He's a Marvel actor, too. So it's actually, it's interesting because it, it's it's happening, like, now. You know, you get in a lot of um, these actors are doing a lot of Broadway place and, and and just like in the film they get a lot they fill seats up because everybody knows all these actors from all the movies they do and so it really is it, it's kind of happening and i'm sure there's like near times uh theater critics that are just like they just thumb their nose at it you know it's like they're just yeah. getting a lot of popularity because of all the comic book movies they the do notoriety. right exactly yeah. so um yeah, nice little, uh, you know, kind of like a premonition. What's the What's the line from Norton in it? Fame is just the slutty cousin of prestige. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because they were having a conversation. It's like I'm pop. It's like I'm I'm famous. It's like fame's the. Oh, that's right. It's popularity. Popularity. Popularity, popularity is the yeah. slutty little cousin of uh, prestige because they're having like a a fame off, right? He's 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 uh, yeah. he's Broadway famous. He's theater famous versus movie famous. You know that scene was great because they're doing the argument back and forth, and it's like nobody knows who you are. And then the, the fans is like, "Excuse me, are you Reagan Thompson?" It's like, "Oh my God, it's Birdman!" And then he, she hands Ed Norton the the phone because she has no idea who he is. Can you take a picture? The, the button's yeah. like right there, and um, uh, that was great. He took the picture, and then they look back at each other and they start talking again. <laughs> that was a great scene, but um, yeah, now you see it. It's it's going on, you know, like you know, kind of like the Broadway actors versus like the movie actors they're they're just kind of taking over this whole movie machine and, and comic book thing it was this was like a real good like foreshadowing of what's kind of like what's going on like right now so but that'll bring us to the end of act two and with that we'll get a little food pairing in sticking with our poultry theme we're gonna turn up the heat it's a dark beer it's a cold night we're gonna go with some szechuan cooking here uh, and if you've ever had any dry, like dry fry chicken, that dry pepper chicken with chilies in there, delicious. I love the one from Han Dynasty. That place is dope. But if you're not necessarily in the mood for chicken and you don't want that protein, you can get some Dan Dan noodles. They come out really nice as well. There's a there's a there's a Szechuan uh, restaurant in in time, uh, not really in Times Square. I think it's in the 50s. It's a little bit up north. It was uh, I think it was Grand Szechuan. Um, they had like a really good. 
uh, Szechuan, like a bunch of nice, like hot dishes. Um, that's been like kind of trendy. Eh, I don't want to say trendy. It's been around for like 10, 15 years now, but the, the, the spicy Chinese cooking, um, I do like a lot. Uh, that'll match up with the stout, you know, the spiciness and, um, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of the coconut. Um, I do like that. I like the, uh, the, the, the chili fish. That's the, that's my favorite from, uh, Ooh, Grand Szechuan nice. up around there. So, um, Good pairing, good pairing. Uh, a lot of Szechuan restaurants in Times Square to uh, catch the Broadway Love crowd after the shows. Um, like that, like that a lot. So nice. So we'll uh, be right back with Act Three after a short break. And we're back with Act 3, Surrealism and Realism at its finest. The beer we're pairing with this act is Sloop Jam Boom Shakalaka. Boom Shakalaka is the next installment in the Sloop Jam line. This one got blasted with blueberries and blackberries, giving it a deep reddish-purple color. The aroma is loaded with berries, and the flavor finishes bright, juicy, and refreshingly tart. Almost like taking a fresh slice of blueberry pie from your grandma's window and squeezing all that goodness into a glass. You know, you do get a ton of that blackberry tartness and you get a solid amount of that blueberry sweetness out of this beer. Just like this act, the sweetness of success comes with that sour sadness, Don. What'd you think about this beer? I liked it. I, uh, I, I didn't get a lot of lactose in this one. I know there's a lot of different... We, we featured a lot of sours with the lactose in it. Um, I didn't catch a lot of the lactose in this, but I did like the... It's it's the right amount of tartness. Um, you know, I, I catch uh, some of the blueberry. I, I'm a sour man, too, so I obviously do like a lot of different sours. You are a sour I man. I am a sour uh, man. I got a sour attitude at minimum. Um, we're getting it out of sour seasons, but uh, you know we can still you can still put them in the fridge um, during winter time. So uh, I did enjoy this a lot. A uh, little secret: uh, I didn't have one of the beers, so um, you know Whoa. you'll just have to guess which one I made up on and which ones I actually drank. So go chew <laughs> on that, guys! All three of you, go chew on that. <laughs> so. that's all right i'm i'm the beer man you're the movie man so as long as i'm drinking them we're happy (laughs) but getting into the movie we have the uh the surreal bird man uh scene this is after um uh he's had the uh the big fight with the new york times writer uh goes on an overnight drunk wakes up on uh somebody's step uh somebody's uh steps on the west side uh probably a pretty common thing with the bums sleeping uh on your steps uh, in the morning, gets up uh, and starts flying around. Uh, he starts having like an episode. Uh, before that, though, it's amazing that you know, just just getting into like how how awesome the cinematographer is and how amazing a uh, director Alejandro. They threw together a five minute Marvel movie scene where like Birdman's flying yeah, around. It's amazing. Yeah, he just threw it together. It's like. Three like couple like couple minutes. The scene's a couple minutes, and it's just like great. It's like a real action it's, film. It's a straight up Michael Bay movie. Yeah. for three minutes. Yeah, it's almost like they're making films. Like, watch this. We can do this like three minutes, and it's better than all your films. We're gonna put the big yeah, bird yeah, there. Yeah, Keaton just snaps his fingers, 
And all of a sudden, he's in the middle of a firefight. Right, he's flying around. He does the screech, and uh, um, ah! <laughs> and then, you know, he's just talking about how like billions of people are going to come to it, and it's just amazing. And oh man, like what a great scene! I love, I love the Keaton Birdman voice throughout all of it. Oh yeah, like because it's basically him doing the Batman voice. Oh yeah, no, he is. He's talking like this the entire time with this gruff exterior. How did he just not win the Academy Award for that? He plays two different characters in this film, and they're both amazing. Yeah, and yeah, right. He plays this alter ego, the comic book Hollywood guy. Uh, you know, I love the the argument they had earlier. It's like it's like oh, I was fucking miserable. It's like you were, but you're Hollywood miserable. That's not real miserable. <laughs> You know, pretentious, oh, what's, but you got, were happy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's got the line of, shave off that pathetic goatee, get some surgery. 60's the new 30, motherfucker. <laughs> he's great. <laughs> he's great as, like, the Birdman alter ego. Um, just their little, like, back and forth that they go. You know, he's like, I want to make something that really matters. <laughs> uh, such a great, um, just, just the back and so forth they do. Good. It's just Amazing, but yeah, they throw together the uh, the uh-huh. flying, the uh, the impromptu uh, action scene. Yeah, we talked a little bit. This is mm-hmm. this is where you get the you pave the way for these other clowns. Yeah, exactly. Like, making the the Batman course like connection there. You pave the way for these other clowns. Give the people what they want. Old fashioned apocalyptic porn. Yeah, you gave uh, oh. you gave the keys to the castle away, and yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's amazing. It's Oh my god! Definitely. It's it, honestly that the young Birdman or the the young Keaton monologue mm-hmm. when he wakes up is is actually giving me chills. Oh yeah! Like it is such a cool monologue. I mean, it, it's it's it was great it, it, in Birdman. It's like I want to see like these Birdman films. When when Spider Man came out, and then we were both talking, I was like, oh. Keaton's playing Birdman. He's he's the he's the bad guy. He's Birdman. He's the vulture. Yeah, the vulture. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. He's basically like Birdman. But um, no, he does the you know he does the flying around scene. That's the great like film scene um, as well. Where he's flying through. He flies through the tunnel, um, going through uh, Grand Central. Uh, he zips around. We we talked about it. Like, is it real? Is it not real? I like that. Um, yeah, it does. It does some really cool cuts when he's up on the roof, mm-hmm. and it's back to the realism, and people are yelling at him, and the woman across the street is like, "Is this real, or is this a movie?" And he's just like, "That's ah, a movie." <laughs> <laughs> the guy's talking the him down. You know, him he's roof. like, "Are you okay?" And then he, he, he sprints off and he jumps off the building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He asks, "Do you have anywhere you need to be?" And he's like, "Yeah." I do. And he runs off the roof and flies. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because exactly what you said. He cuts in and he lands in and he walks into the theater. And then you see the cabbie behind. He's like, hey, wait, you didn't pay me. And it, it's, it goes back to the, like, the whole, like, you know, they're making it obvious that it's not, like, real. We There was a scene that we were talking about before where he's tearing up his room. And, you know, in his mind, he's using his psychic powers to, like, just blow through everything. He's arguing with himself. And then they flips to um, Zach Alphanox's character. He, he comes into his dressing room. He's just watching him throw all this stuff around. Keaton doesn't even know he's in there for like a good like 20, like 30 seconds. And then he turns around and he sees like, oh, hey, what's up? How's it going? How you doing, man? <laughs> One hour before uh, opening curtain. You, you, you ready? He's like, yeah, man. Everything's good. Everything's good. But um, 
Yeah, no. It, this that scene though, that scene is the reason why, like now on this like second or third watch for me, mm-hmm. I now see it more as a discussion about mental illness. Yeah. And the fact that I am ninety percent sure that he has schizophrenia. Definitely. Because the way they definitely. film it the way they film it is that in his eyes, that's exactly what happened. But then we cut back and we see the cabbie, right? Yep. Yeah. And now knowing, you know, my, my fiance Desiree is a therapist and understanding more about what schizophrenia is, I'm like, oh, this dude's a schizophrenic. Like, yeah. he is mentally ill. Like, he has issues. Well, hearing, like, hearing the uh, voices, um, you know, engaging yeah. with, like, different, like, personalities that he that he projects as himself. He's, he's definitely, he, you know, it's definitely, like, the mental illness or just the overall, like, you know, him not knowing who he is anymore. Um, just... You know, work, just being stressed out, working on the play, you know, memory and his lines, just, just losing his own um, identity, losing his own personality. Uh, but it, it's it's just film, like, great. And I like that, you know, it, it's made obvious, you know, with the cabbie chasing him, with them cutting over, not cutting, but, like, you know, him just, like, actually physically throwing the things, not using, like, a psychic power anymore. Um, and just making yeah. it obvious that it's it's an episode. It's not this this isn't a fantasy movie. This is like still real, and uh, this is all just going yeah. on in his head. So, but uh, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. It's amazing. It's it's a great film. But it really is. Yeah. He he. So he gets back just in time for opening night. Yep. Cuts over and, to he's finished yeah. the first act. Every uh, all the theaters are going. They're like, "Wow, this show's like really amazing. It's like really good." Um, gets ready to film the last act. His uh, his ex wife is there talking to him. He shares like he even admits to the ex wife that he's hearing the voices. Yep. and she's like, "Oh, that's not worrying." Yeah, I'm just gonna pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> you know, admits yeah. that like, just really breaks down. We talked a little bit. Just like just became super vulnerable talked about you know the last night that they were like married together like you know going through that whole uh the jellyfish story and everything like that just real amazing um you know just just full out like just like all the honesty everything just like laid out um and that's that's the way you get hours before you know you're about to try to kill yourself i feel like you become retrospective and introspective in a sense that you're you never you don't have to play that role anymore yeah he knows he's letting go of everything yeah definitely not to get like super dark here we we try to keep it light here but they the right they talk about that in terms of like you know it's like you're real calm um everything's just like real clear for you you know you're real honest you're real vulnerable right they talk about that that's what people get like right before you know and then just to, to coincide with the scene you know that's where he's like pretty much decided that he's gonna shoot himself and give his literal blood for this play. But, um, yeah, no, great, great, uh, almost ending scene. Um, you yeah. know, gets out, shoots himself. It's 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 crazy. Cause you see like the crowd all like, they're all standing up like applauding. They don't even know if it's like real or not. They're all like applauding. And then in the background, you can see, um, the New York times writer. She can see her. It's like, she's still sitting, well, they're all clapping, so you don't know if like she's liked it or she didn't like it. You see her get up, and then she walks. Yeah, out. and she gets out and walks out, and you're like, "Oh no!" And then, you know, and then they cut. You know, that that's where, like where you see like the first cut, like where they actually like break. Yeah, 
the that, camera. That's the first true cut since the opening sequence when he knocks on the door. Mm-hmm. And so that is two hours and you get your first true cut of the movie. And they do it in a sense where it seems like it is almost... Uh, Riggins' life flashing before his eyes because you de- you do see the jellyfish. You see a couple of other scenes throughout his life. Uh, so it's it's his life flashing through his, before his eyes, and that's why there's cutscenes. You almost wonder uh, if that was supposed to be like the original ending, and then they tested it, and people didn't like it, and then they added like the last scene. You almost wonder if that's kind of. And I feel like that's like definitely something that like American film they never really end on like the. You know, like are dying or, or, or like on like downer endings. They always say that tests very poorly. Oh, they still kind of ended this one on a downer ending. Yeah, but we do get one last Galifianakis scene, which is my favorite. <laughs> uh, you know, he comes in and he's super happy. He's like, "Who cares that he blew his nose off? It doesn't matter." We'll get you right? a new he dose. Did so well, <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> we'll open you in Paris. You're gonna care. open. <laughs> and, then, and then he goes out and he just. He curses out all the reporters waiting outside. <laughs> it's crazy. The daughter Get comes the in. Back. Get out of here. She tweets the picture. It's just, it's, it's great. It's just like, you know, um, kind of like the end scene. That's why it's it just weird. It didn't like, I wondered if that was like the original ending or not. Um, of course, cause we prepare for this podcast, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you could just look that up, but that was, um, that was great. We talked, uh, so you contend that he actually did just jump out and killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. I do think he did. I love the ending because it's open-ended. And I like, you know, it's always funny because it's like everybody's asked, like, every time they have, like, one of these open endings. So, like, what do you think happened? Did he kill himself or he didn't kill himself? I was like, oh, it's open-ended. It's to, up to interpretation. There, There is no right or wrong answer. That's what they, that's what the writer-director decided on. And you pretty much take away what what your impression is of it. I I it was weird. I, I think that like for a split second, it made you want to think because it was always made obvious that all his episodes, all his psychic powers, everything like the flying, it's like it's not real. It's all in his head. And then at the very end of the film, uh, you know, you see um, Sam look down. And then look up, and then she smiles. I know you said that, you know, maybe because like she, she had like the same personality disorder, things like that. Yeah, that. So that's where I'm thinking. And I, you can finish yours, and then I'll go into what my thoughts on this. My part. thoughts were, and this is, it, I know it doesn't make any sense or anything like that. I think that like for one second at the air, very very end of the film, everything was real. All the psychic powers, all the everything, everything was like real, and it, that's how it ended up on the high note that. Uh, you know, he he accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish, and that without that's what my interpretation of the end of the film was. So, and and so my interpretation is when he goes into that restroom, he does see his alter ego yet again, and so that means he is in the middle of another episode. Uh, and so when he goes over to that window, and he thinks he's flying, he actually jumped. Yeah. Now when Emma Stone comes to the window. A lot of times mental illness can be uh, hereditary. Mm -hmm. And so because she is going through an extremely traumatic experience, she's also had experiences previously with addiction and everything like that. Probably because she has this mental disorder or illness that we aren't certain of what it is. But a lot of times when you have those type of mental illnesses, you do carry addiction with you. And so I think 
her addictions were because she was already suffering from this kind of stuff. And this is the first episode that she is having, seeing her father on the floor. Because she looks down first. Mm -hmm, Right. Right? And so because she looks down first, I do believe she sees him. Uh Uh-huh. And then wants to believe that he's Birdman flying. Uh, And so I think that is her having her first true episode. And that's what is great about open-ended endings. I know some people just like hate them. And then they just like, no, I I need to know definitively what happens. Movies are a lot of, you know, it's your perception anyway. You bring in your own baggage, your own experience to a film anyway. It should just be what you want it to be. You know, people always yeah. argue, it's like, the book is better than the movies. The book is always better than the movie because it's projected out of your mind's eye into right. what you wanted it to be. And a movie can be the same way if you let it, you know, be it, be your own interpretation in the way well, an open-ended some movies. endings do that for you. That's what I feel. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't think any of the Marvel movies are going to be interpreted in any other way. No, the way no. They are. They're just exactly what... Uh, saw so but yeah and then they have their place too but uh you know i think that you know if you really want to uh dive into complex human emotions like they said in the film, then, yeah you know. i mean it's brain candy versus brain food right and this right. is a hearty meal exactly exactly so uh great segue into uh your uh food pairing there to uh wrap us up uh what do you got here for uh your food, the last food pairing. I'm glad we got back to food pairings. You by know the what? Way. We we got away from it. Oh for a yeah. Week. Um, yeah. Uh, back to this one. We're just gonna lighten it up. I mean, we're dealing with the probably our last sour of the season here. Uh, we're just gonna go with a nice little lemon chicken salad. Uh, get some of that citrus in a light meal just to break through the, some of those heavy fruit flavors, and you should be solid. Like uh, like the bird theme. Uh, and sticking in with the <laughs> bird theme. Um. Sometimes to go with like a sour, uh, you can go with like a sweet chicken, like a sweet and sour chicken. I don't personally like uh, sweet chicken myself, but I think when you're drinking like a sour like this one, uh, this blackberry one, it, it, it is quite tart, uh, mixing in a sweet and sour uh, chicken taste uh, will, will go nicely with that. Um, you know, a lot of people say like they mix foods with like wines, but uh, it makes a difference uh, with these beers as well. Um Anything else? I think uh, I think we covered everything. Uh, oh, I think we went well into. We this. definitely we did. We could go another two hours, but uh, join our Patreon if you want to hear Don and I talk about this movie for another two hours. <laughs> join our Patreon <laughs> to listen to five hours of uh, unmitigated discussion about Ed Norton and uh, Emma Watson's characters. <laughs> We talk heavily about if that was Ed Norton's real junk during the bonus scene. <laughs> All the revenue, Jordan. I can't believe, uh, like, you know, we haven't opened up that Patreon. We do not have yet. a Patreon, everyone. This is a lie. That There's is, not extra content. That is, see, we can pretend to. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Again, uh, every listen is uh, greatly appreciated. All four of you guys. Uh, are greatly appreciated. We thank you uh, so much. Um, follow us on Instagram. We are at Craft Studios Pod. We uh, we put in um, all the different uh, you know heads up for all the different shows. We got a couple pictures of uh, the different beers, pictures of the different movie scenes. Um, you know that'll uh, give you kind of up to date on like what's going on with the podcast and everything like that. Um, let you kind of give uh, some conversations, talk to us a little bit. Uh, 
Jordan, what are your handles to uh, everybody join you on social media? Sure, you could find me at J underscore Digglesworth on Instagram and at Just Got Real on Twitter. You know, like I said, uh, every time it's mostly pictures of the dogs and some Nick's tweets that I retweet. But again, yep, thank you so much, uh, everybody, especially you, Nancy. Didn't forget about you. You thought I did. Um, hopefully you made it to the end of the podcast. Uh, hopefully you didn't stop it at like four minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, greatly appreciated we have a lot of fun doing this uh glad we got to back to uh getting this uh i know you guys were all worried that maybe we stopped doing the podcast no we are still here no. for you jordan still here <laughs> we're still here can't get rid of us uh jordan <laughs> why don't you sign us out that's a nice bird man <laughs> <laughs>